Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Sandwiched in between Thailand, Vietnam, China, and Cambodia, the Lao People's Democratic Republic is one of Southeast Asia's most lesser-known tourist destinations. Landlocked, mostly mountainous, and with rivers and waterfalls nearly everywhere in between, Laos is most famous for its natural beauty and friendly, laid-back locals. This is part two of our interview with Jason Rolon, giving his lesser-known Laos destinations. Uh, on the last show, we had some uh, really great conversation, um, so much so that we decided to split it into two. So if you haven't listened to part one already, go to website, talktravelasia.com, or on whatever format you're listening to, and check out part one first. That was mostly the north of Laos, and today we're going to talk about the south. Scott, uh, what are some of your impressions of Laos in general, or your conversation with Jason uh, when we had him on the show last time around? Well, he's an incredibly thoughtful person. He's also very knowledgeable and descriptive. And getting all of those things out of a guest is incredibly difficult to do. And I think hence why the conversation was so interesting and, and, and went so long. His impressions he gave me that there are far more lesser known spots than I even envisioned. And I guess that shouldn't be a surprise because Lao is kind of lesser known in itself. And Boy, I've got my Google map all marked up, and I know you did one for a patron. So excited. Excited is what I got. Like one place he shared is only accessible by boat. The other one you can fly way up north near the Chinese border. So, yeah, that all got me excited. And and sort of what are some of your impressions yeah, from you that first conversation? you Google Maps. I definitely recommend that you go to the website and check out the, the show notes and the map because the Google map really helps you uh, see where some of these – pretty remote areas that Jason's sharing with us. Um, so it's really going to be useful to have that map if you want to go and check out those places or the photos that are on uh, the Google Maps pins that we've dropped. Um, it's, yeah, Laos is an amazing place. And, you know, for Jason to have lived there nearly 20 years, I guess now, it, it just speaks to how beautiful the country is and how genuine and honest and friendly the people are and what a wonderful experience you can have anywhere. Yeah, you know, I hate to use stuck in time because it seems derogatory, and I don't mean it that way, but one thing that Lao seems to have kept intact, and I think it's just because of its nature of the system that runs the country, but also being landlocked, is is that it's not overly developed, right? It's tougher getting around, and that means it keeps people away because people don't want to sit on a, on a minivan for two days to get somewhere, but it's held onto its intrigue, its culture, certainly, from what Jason told us, and any place out of about four or five key places are off the beaten track. Just before we get to Jason again, remember to help support the show, become a patron. Patrons not only get a great feeling for helping Trevor and I keep this going, but they get a special bonus content in between the regular episodes. That can be a video, can be a conversation, some photo galleries. We're going to give a shout out to Brad M., who's been a patron for a long time. Thanks very much, Brad. So hit donate on the website. Or go to patreon.com and search that show name. So let's get into it. Part two with Jason Rowland. Next up, moving down south a little bit, um, Siem Kwang. 
a lot of people know this place, especially any sort of war buff. Um, they know that this place is famous for the Plain of Jars, uh, which are these ah. giant carved stone vessels, which are also from built by a mysterious civilization. There are dozens of these sites all around the province, and but most tourists just only visit a few of them. Um, archaeologists uh, believe also that these were somehow used in burials, but again, no one really knows who built them and haven't really found out why. So who are these people? Where did they went? Where did they go? What happened to them? It's just a mystery. Yeah, and I see on Google Maps, it's even marked Plain of Jars Site 1, just mm. near, I'm going to say it wrong, but uh, Fun Saban there, yeah. whatever kind of the main town. Exactly. So there's lots of them, you say? Yeah, there's lots of them. Yeah. And some of them are pretty remote. Some of them still have unexploded ordnance in the area. So definitely don't okay. just go wandering around um, off beaten paths in, in this area. Gotcha. Of course, the Plain of Jars sites also, uh, at least Jar Site 1, 2, and 3, are all part of the new UNESCO heritage site. So they've okay. all been cleared of unexploded ordnance, so you, you should be fine there. But the, as I said, there was a lot of bombing that happened over the last 50 to 70 years in the area. And as a result, one enterprising village nearby has taken to collecting the scrap bomb metal and using it and melting okay. it down to make forks and keychains and earrings and tourist souvenirs. So you can usually find those things available in, either in the village itself or you can find them available in town. Interesting. The old capital is actually called Munkun, Kun District, nearby. It's probably about 15 kilometers away, maybe, from Ponsavan town. And this town used to be incredibly beautiful and almost like Luomorbang style. But it was just bombed to smithereens, unfortunately. One temple was hit and it totally blew up, except for the Buddha statue which the local people sort of take, took as an omen that this is a very, very holy Buddha that it wasn't destroyed too. So you can still go there and there's still the Buddha sort of sitting outside with some remnants of, of walls around it. It's an interesting place, but also a very solemn place too. Mm-hmm. And And you brought up a point here. Laos is the most heavily bombed nation on earth, is it not? That's very true. Um, one plane load of bombs was dropped every, I want to say every nine minutes seven years wow. eight years and and when you're getting into some of these remote Awful. areas if you're doing some treks and stuff like that or is there still some danger from unexploded ordnance there are in certain provinces um obviously if you're those that are sort of closer to vietnam have a bit more of a, a bomb a bomb threat but um there's they've been working on clearing them for the last 20 something years but there's still a lot of a lot of work left to do. They they estimate that it's going to take another hundred years to clear all the bombs out of Laos. I'm going to remind everybody to go check out uh, the website talktravelasia.com because uh, I'm following along here, dropping pins on a Google map, and I think that was a really smart idea because you know like I I got a pretty decent idea of how to spell you know Laos uses a lot of X's in their words, um, so so I've been able to to drop a pin for each one and, and keep up. So, uh, yeah, and great stuff because this will be a valuable map to, to look at for people who want to find some neat spots. So, so Jason, why don't you go ahead and uh, try and stump me with another spelling? <laughs> All right. Um, my next place is one that's really started to pop up in the last few years, but mostly in the sort of domestic travel and maybe the Thai for Thai tourists. Um, it hasn't really popped up um, much yet for sort of Western tourists. Um, it's a place called Mueng Phuong. Um, it's actually that? over 
sort of in between Wang Vieng and Vientiane. It's getting a lot more publicity nowadays. It's sort of like what Wang Vieng was maybe 20 years ago. It's sort of this really chill, laid-back area along, along a river. But near the river itself are these giant, sort of really uncanny-shaped limestone karsts. Some of them look like shark fins and other things just popping straight up out of the ground on this in this plain. It's, it's really fantastic. The river here is also really calm, so people like to go swimming and... It's, you could sometimes it's just only up to your knees or something like that. So people go for picnics and people go to stay there and have barbecues and cookouts and things like that and go with family. You know, in Laos, every morning, monks go on sort of an almsgiving round in, the, in sort of the local vicinity of the temple. And in Longkorbang, everybody goes to see that. And it's these huge long lines of monks going around by on foot. But here in Meng Fuang, um, they actually go by river. So you got to see monks oh. paddling boats up or down the stream, um, past past all the, the the floating bungalows that people are staying in, and people give them offerings there. So it's a really really cool site, especially if sort of there in the winter and maybe there's a little bit of fog in the ground and things like that. So it's really 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 cool. Sounds gorgeous. Right. Yeah. So if you're not really into the party scene of Angvia, then Mungfung is probably for you. Right. Where are we going next? All right. We've got two years of travel plans here already. Yeah, well, I look forward to welcoming you guys over there next time. The next, we're going to skip over Vientiane because most people have some idea of that already. Uh, and they would see that on their first trip to Laos. So I'm going to jump down to Kamuan province, which is sort of across from Nakhon in Thailand. It's the sort of a, a province that's sandwiched in between Thailand and Vietnam. So basically it's the province where Takek is. And most people would go there uh, and take and actually go on something that's called the Kamuan Loop. And Kamuan's the name of the province. And so they have this very, very nice road that runs in a loop around through the province. And some very interesting sites. It's, you could easily spend three or four days riding a motorbike around this area. So you can start in Takek and pick up a motorbike and then start riding through eastward on the road towards Vietnam. And then in that area, there are a lot of uh, caves to visit. There's also a few sort of swimming holes and things like that, so it's really nice, uh, a nice change of scenery from what you see elsewhere. And then you sort of curve upwards. You don't go all the way to the Vietnam border, but you curve upwards to the Nakai area and to the Nam Tung mm-hmm. Reservoir. This reservoir was created by the Nam Tung um, hydropower project to sort of have to dam up a river to, to power the dam. But in this area, there are, it's a national park, and you can take a little trips and boats across across the the reservoir to the national park area, where you can actually see some really in, unusual gibbons and unusual sort of langurs and monkeys and uh-huh. other wildlife that you don't normally get to see elsewhere. Just because it's so remote that there there's still a lot to be seen over there in that area. There were even Excellent. rumors of actually wild elephants still being some in this area as well. Yeah, and again, like, this could be a fun road. I don't know exactly where the loop goes, because you could do a couple of different loops, but this one this one road is hilarious. I should do a screenshot of this, because there's kind of a yellow road, and then it turns into a bunch of dots, and then it's a little bit of yellow, and then there's a few more dots, and then there's a little bit of yellow. It's like, there's little teeny tiny sections of what we might call roads. Yeah, um, the road on Google Maps is not necessarily totally updated. Yeah. Um, there's a sort of the old road before they flooded the reservoir and then sort of another road that goes next to it. So when you're driving on it, you'll know where you are. You're not going to be driving through the water. 
but yeah, there's there's a couple of guest houses right there too that um, offer the sort of the the nature nature based trips, and then you also pass um, through some flooded forests when they made the reservoir. They had to flood the forests that were there, so you have these like giant sort of craggy dead trees just standing out of the water, just hundreds of them. And so it's a really kind of eerie situation sometimes. Yes. And then continuing up around the loop and back towards the east a little bit, back sort of in the direction of Thailand, then you can take a small detour and end up at the famous Gong Law Cave. You probably have heard of that one if you've heard of any caves in Laos. That's a seven-kilometer long cave where a river flows through it. Um, people will go there, and it's this massive cave. People go there, and then you ride boats all the way through to the other side. And on the other side, there's actually some actually some villages to visit. So when you get to the mouth of the cave, there are boats waiting there. And you, you can buy a boat tour, and they, the boat takes you through, this, through the cave in the darkness, and through seven kilometers of, of, of cave, basically. You have, you get, they give you a headlight, and you can kind of see the formations and things like that in the cave. It's really interesting. And you go straight through to the other side, and there's a few villages there where you can walk around and explore them. Um, this used to be the way that those villagers made access to the outside world. They were really shut off from everything, wow. except for this seven-kilometer cave. Incredible. So that's a cool thing to do for you know half day or so, and it's just a really interesting place. There are also a couple of uh, nice, uh, nicer sort of resorts to stay in the area, or you can continue back around, um, back up on the loop area. And there's a place called uh, the Rock Viewpoint at Pupaman, and this is a at the top of these limestone karsts, it's very craggy and very rocky. It doesn't look like very much could live there, but you'd be surprised. And they've built um, a, a zipline course around these crags. And you can go around, uh, spend probably a, a good few, couple of hours there. And if you go at the early morning and the, the late evening, you can even sometimes see gibbons in the area and hear them on these crags. Here, they also have some really cool, like capsule, cabin sort of accommodations and also uh, some really nice tree houses. So it's a cool place that people go to. It, it opened just before COVID. So during COVID, it was like the most popular thing for any Lao people to do because we couldn't, uh, couldn't go abroad. <laughs> so everyone was just checking out all the, all the tourism sites in Laos. That one sounds fascinating and a great looking loop at the map. And you obviously have to get off the main 1E and eight highways that I see there, so you get to do some secondary roads as well. That mm -hmm. And then after that, sort of the loop okay. sort of loops back down to Takek, and then you can kind of finish up. There are a few other little sites you can see along the way, but, but then in Takek, you would return the bike and then continue on, on your travels. So how long do I need for that loop? Oh, it really depends on how much you want to do. Um, the very fastest, if you didn't you know, make too many stops, you could probably do it in three days, two or three days. Three days probably is really good for for the bare, for the bare minimum, but if you like if you do the okay. overnight over some overnight like you know nature trips or stay at the rock for a few nights uh, doing zip lining and stuff like that, then it, it adds up. So you can easily spend a week in the area. And when you're saying like pick up a bike in Takek, is it possible to rent motorbikes or are you just like buying a secondhand one and uh, off you go? No, it's very popular. There's there's rental shops there, so they have everything ready, and uh, the, and the road is actually. The road is actually built to service uh, the dam, so it's very well maintained. You only have to only in one section. You have to there's a lot of traffic from trucks and things coming from Vietnam, so you have to be a little bit careful there. 
That sounds fascinating, man. That's that's really good. It looks small on the map, but then as you zoom in, you realize that's a, a few hundred kilometer drive at the minimum around that and remote territory and neat caves and zip lines. And that's quite a trip right there. Yeah, I actually like that loop because it looks like uh, there's enough spots to break it up along the way. You know, a lot of the places you mentioned earlier seem close enough, but they're quite far. Yeah, like it's difficult to combine a lot of different destinations, but it seems like in this area, there's a, a variety of things that aren't too, too far away. Yeah, there's even uh, actually a website for the loop too, if you want to check it out. Um, if it has more information. Yeah. Um, it's uh, lausloop.info. I knew you'd be high value, but this is beyond high value, Jason. So do you have any more for us? Or? I do, I do. I, I, I worry you're going to have to cut me for time. All right. My next stop would be a little bit farther south than Takek. It's called Savannakit. Um, a lot of people would be familiar with Savannakit. They know about maybe a casino that's there. A lot of long-stay tourists in Thailand would know that that's a place you can cross over and do sort of visa runs and visa extensions at the Thai consulate there. But really, Savannakhet itself, the town, is super charming. I mean, if you think Wonkarbang has charm, this one's got it in spades. It's sort of this colonial huh. town that's a bit like Wonkarbang, a bit like Hoi An, sort of, sort of the French colonial Indo-Chinese sort of town. But it's just sort of been left to decay, in a sense. It's not received a lot of maintain- maintenance, but they've been able to protect it and not just knock everything down. So you have these old sort of decrepit looking buildings with cute little cafes in them or awesome little bars. Um, actually, one of my favorite bars in all of Laos is here in Savannakhet in this really old house. Ooh. And the bartender is just fantastic. Right, you got to let us know what that is. We've got to put that one on the map. What's the bar called? <laughs> the bar is called, it's got a French name, yeah. Le Corbeau. Yeah, Savannakhet was on my list actually as well to ask you if you didn't bring it up because it's a pretty significant town, but I really know little about it. Yeah, it's Laos' second biggest town, and nobody goes there. It's just mind-boggling, really. The only people that really go there are just really often the visa runners or sort of Thai tourists that are going to, you know, get lucky at the tables. But yeah, it, the downtown area is just super, super nice. It's got just those old French buildings. There are also some old cinemas that have been sort of repurposed into, um, like, public spaces. So like sometimes there's art events or things happening in them, and they're just really... It's really, really cool. Really, really sort of a hipster town. Yeah, on both sides of the river, too. It looks kind of neat like that. Yeah. Mukdahan, too, is becoming that way, too. It's, it's, I think a lot of, there's been a lot of cross-traffic between the two, sort of building each other up. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool. So, I mean, you can just go for a stroll around town, and you know what you think is turning as a heritage sort of architecture walk, you end up finding that there's street art everywhere. Um, local artists have put painted um, you know, street scenes and street village life uh, on the walls of some of these old buildings. So, you know, it's a fun little Easter eggs when you're walking around town, you know, trying to see all these new treasures. Yeah, again, like, I got, that is Thailand, right? That's Muktahan, right? It's interesting to have, like, these two little towns, like, right opposite each other on the banks of the Mekong River. You could see each other probably shout across the river if you're loud enough. Huh? Um, but they would probably have such distinctive character. Is it possible to cross the border right there? Can I mean, I don't see a... Oh, there's a bridge. Is there, is there a... There is a bridge. Yeah. So where to next, Jason? Next, we'll be going down south uh, to the Bolivan Plateau. It's one of my favorite places, too, in Laos. It's just this huge, high plateau. We're down on the, near the, in the lowlands, near the Mekong River. It's probably extremely hot. Uh, and you travel up to on top of this plateau, and it's probably at least 10 or 15 degrees cooler. It's fantastic. Oh, wow. Um, 
that used to be an old volcano, actually. And so the soil in the area is very, very good, uh, especially for agriculture and things like that. So the French began to grow in coffee in this area. Um, they still grow a lot of coffee. Um, people grow a lot of coffee here. But they've also shifted to more sort of newer exotic produce like avocados, durian, and strawberries. There are also still a lot of ethnic groups in the area practicing their sort of traditional ways and also working in some of the uh, plantations. Then there's also innumerable waterfalls. You can go five kilometers and every five kilometers is a waterfall almost in 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 this area. Um, Travelers usually would rent a motorbike in in Paxé and then drive around the loop. Um, There's a short loop and a long loop um, the short one you can do in probably about two to three days, and the longer loop you could probably do in about five, four or five. Uh, it just depends on how much time you have to spend and how many waterfalls you want to see. What else can I do up there? There's actually some really good trekking. There's even a, this one guy that has a homestay where he does a, has a coffee plantation, and you, you ride four-wheel drives from Paksong Town, um, and you just go stay on his on his plantation and learn about coffee growing and, and going around the area and then his rugged four-wheel drives. It's really, really cool. Yeah, it doesn't look like there's a lot of roads aside from like the number 16 and 11 that do a wide loop and then there's one that cuts through the middle. But aside from that, it doesn't look like there's many roads up there. Yeah, it's uh, there's not too many, but everything is just kind of near the road. So you just keep going on, the, on those main roads and there's all sorts of uh, gardens and plantations and you can even there's even some places in the right time of year if you go um, where you can like pick your own strawberries and you know eat all you want there. All right, let's uh, maybe round us out with one uh, down in the south if you got one a little bit farther. I mean, we're getting pretty close to to the Cambodian border yeah. here already, but uh, any hidden gems there at the bottom where uh, it, it's a bit more touristy, maybe? Yeah, I'm running down to the to the to the border there. Um, the, the last thing is the sort of the Don Det. Don Khan area and the 4,000 Islands, which I know that, um, Scott, you're quite familiar with now. Love it. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like the Lao version of Tahiti, you know, it's a place where you just kind of go and just hang out. Uh, you, you can imagine Gokan just down there painting, painting things because it's just the most, if, if you thought Lohorban was chill, this has got way more chill than anywhere else in Laos. This is a place where you go and don't do a thing because A, it's also quite hot. And B, you just want to sit there and enjoy the river view from your balcony. Bring a book. Um, there's some things to do, some sights to see, but really you just want to just hang out and enjoy sort of island living at its finest. I'm glad you touched on that one at the end. And actually, I remember now the last time I saw you, you and I had a white Russian, I believe, at a bar called the Dresden. Is that right? In Vientiane. And I was flying the next morning to go fly to Paxé to then go down to see Pandon. And I spent quite a number of nights down there. And I, yeah, you listen to the podcast, obviously. I'm always talking about it any chance. So this has been beyond a fantastic list of things, Jason. I got a a couple of questions just because I'm always curious, you know, what keeps people in a place? People don't know a whole lot about Laos. So what can people sort of expect from their experience with Laotian people? Um, A lot of people come to this region and they usually go to thailand or something like that first um so they say oh thai people are so kind they're always smiling and they're and they're so kind and generous but then they come to laos and they realize oh wow people here are even kinder even nicer you know they'll give you the shirt off the back if they if they think you need it so every it's like thailand plus almost here in laos so 
people say they've maybe been to Thailand or they've been to Vietnam. I mean, what do you think is going to surprise them most about an experience in Laos? That's a good question. It's really the most interesting thing that people really take home and remember the most is the people. People will see temples, people will see handicrafts and other things in other countries. But when they get to have the personal connections here in Laos, that's what they're really going to remember. When you sort of meet the woman who wove the scarf that you bought, or you, you know, visit with the mahout on the elephant that you went walking around with. Um, when you learn about how other people in one of maybe the poorest places in Southeast Asia live, um, you sort of get a bigger respect uh, for how much of a struggle it is sometimes in other places and how much, how, how maybe how well off that you have it and where you live. That's a really meaningful and thoughtful response, Jason. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree to just uh, very genuine people and uh, yeah, who, who don't have a lot. But I remember like so they don't feel like they even need more. You know, they're like, I got some chickens and I got a little rice field. They're like, what do I need? You know, like they seem to be more content with uh, the, their lot in life, in part just because it's such a beautiful country. And like, uh, it's hard to be not to smile. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess my last one, Jason, is you've been over in this part of the world near 20 years. There's so many spots you could go. I know you said you got the language down, so you don't want to go too far. But at its heart, what really keeps you in Laos? That is a really tough one to answer. Um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity here. A lot of people would go to live in Thailand or Vietnam or somewhere like that because it's a lot more creature comforts. And it's a lot easier to, to, to live sometimes. But there's also a lot harder in other, in other respects, and there's a lot more competition. I, was, I would say almost fewer opportunities um, here because there's so little happening that the world is your oyster as far as, you know, starting a business or um, you want to do something, uh, you know, to live here for, for a while. You could easily find a way to do it. All right. How about uh, if That's people want to see what you're up to, or is there a is there a website for the Lao uh, Aviation? Uh, is it Lao Airlines uh, website? You know, so maybe they could read some of the work that you're doing to promote uh, the country, or you have an Instagram account that you want to share with us. How can people you know follow you and learn more about Laos? Sure. Um, the, the website does exist. Um, I'll probably have to give it to you to put in the show notes because it's one of those long names that's really hard to spell. Otherwise, you could just follow my Instagram and see where I'm, see where I'm at. My handle is just Jason Rowland, J-A-S-O-N-R-O-L-E-N. And you are an excellent photographer. And I'm always surprised at how often you're across the border in Thailand. But I follow your photos. And yeah, you are an excellent photographer. So people listening, make sure you follow Jason Rowland. You'll get absolutely inspired. Really appreciate your time and the insight and, and the passion with which you share it, too. Well, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> yeah, we're glad you uh, came on the show. It's good to have you on this side of the, the headphones or the mic, I guess, if you will. <laughs> and it's good to catch up and see how you've been. You seem like uh, Laos is treating you very well. It's a good life. Thanks, Jason. Until our paths cross again. Wow. So, like, you know, which is better, Godfather 2 or Godfather 1? Rocky 2 or Rocky 1? Was this episode... Uh, more inspirational for amazing off the beaten path places that you want to go or, or part one. Yeah, it's a tough one, man. I agree. Uh, Godfather one or two or Rocky one and two. I, I don't know. Is, you can't decide between them. 
I I can't decide which half of this I like more either. I, I think Jason came with what we asked him to do and then about 50% more, hence two episodes. But again, I think I've heard of two or three of these places, but that was it. Otherwise, he really nailed it. And he sure got me intrigued. And there's a really, really thoughtful mix of some places that you could cross a bridge from Thailand into Laos to visit and other ones that you would have to fly to Laos and then you would have to fly again somewhere or else get in a vehicle for 12 hours or and I don't think it's purposely difficult to get to but just so many neat little spots that there's at least you know two months of travel here or quite a number of single trips yeah you know and and the funny thing that I just realized now is that like you know like like Cambodia Laos is often included as like an add-on like oh I'm gonna be like in Thailand so I might as well check out Laos for a couple days but it that that makes it kind of cool too because like i'm looking at Takek and he mentions that that loop for around Takek where he dropped like i got like six pins just for that area that look amazing but that's right across the mekong river from nakon Phnom and sakon nakon mm-hmm. town where i would also like to go and then like you could just fly there on, on Nok air i guess and then i don't know how far it is to Takek, and you know you could combine the two into one trip which would be awesome so then like you know that other place he mentioned was oh in savannah which is opposite muktahan which like both sides of that river look really cool so i don't know if you like if you were going to combine thailand and laos it seems like there's some interesting places where you know the laos opens up for you yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you could cross at Ubon and do 4,000 Islands, which you meant, but that you could easily spend a week down in that area. But like you said, you could cross from Muktahan, and I know when I was in Nakhon Phnom a couple of years ago, I cycled to the Friendship Bridge, and you can cross to the town there. So yeah, that area is super accessible. And, you know, it is deceiving when you look at the Google map, because when he mentioned the motorcycle loop out of Takek, I, you know, I was looking, I'm like, oh, that, that kind of looks like a day ride. That's not that far. And then as I zoom, you you look down at the distance and you realize like, oh, that's probably at least 200 kilometers of riding or so on a small bike and through windy roads and mountains and stopping and seeing things that, like you said, is easily minimum three days, maybe a week. And what's cool is that Takek actually has motorbikes because in Thailand, they're really easy to rent, but not so much in places like Laos. So yeah, that loop around Takek really got me jazzed out as well as the Konglaw Cave. I'd heard of that cave but I didn't know where it was. And seven kilometer boat ride through the cave in one end and out the other. Like that sounds unbelievable. Yeah. Again, there's like one, two, three, four, five. There's at least five or six pins on that, that loop alone. So that's kind of what drew my attention. And yeah, the fact that you could rent a bike in Takek and I don't know, that looks like really doable. Yeah. I mean, maybe not so easy from Siem Rip. From Siem Rip, I'm still going to go to Dondet and you know, the 4,000 islands like you've recommended. And that seems to be, see, for me, that, that I didn't even think that should get mentioned on Lesser Known because, like, it's well known to me just because it's near the border, not so far from here, and, and lots of people cross there. So I thought it was a bit more popular. But to even hear him say, in his opinion, that it was, like... Basically said it was the most laid-back place, I think, or something. Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to imagine because, again, Laos is like the laid-back capital of the world, maybe. Yeah, and this is quite a unique country in many ways that we talked about. But also, if you just open the Google map and like start at the first place Jason talked about on episode one. So if you haven't listened to episode one, go to it. And he talks about a place way up in the north. And, you know, Lao borders up in this Phong Sali 
you're way up by China. And then if you actually then go down to Luang Prabang, it's quite a ways from there, but that's still in the north. Then get to Vientiane, and then the country gets skinny and goes way down. So, I mean, south to north, I mean, it's got to be well over a 1,000 kilometers, but that 1,000 kilometers is slow traveling. So this is a little big country. That's a good way to say it, I guess. Great stuff. Uh, Stoked that Jason came on to share those tips with us. Thank everybody for listening. Uh, Thank our patrons. Uh, You know, uh, if anybody else wants to support us, check out the website, talktravelasia.com. You can donate to the show. You can check out the show notes. You can check out links to learn more about Jason, his Instagram account, uh, other episodes, the one with Nick Ray. Uh, We had one with about the river dolphins. That's right. With Paul Eshoo. Um, yeah, we've had a number of really cool Lao episodes, so we're glad to, to, to get some more info out to our listeners. So I hope everyone enjoyed that. And Scott, uh, take us out. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Brad M., for being a great patron. Thank you, Jason, for being the guest and the very first guest who we've had uh, a two-parter on. And I hope everyone here got excited about Lao. It's a place that you should definitely make some time for when you're in the region or just make it the trip in itself and don't go anywhere else in the region. So thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Talk Travel Asia. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Cambodia?